My name is Rick Renner, and I'm in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem. This is the church that commemorates the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus was raised from the dead, and his tomb is empty because God broke the pains of death and raised his son from the dead and exalted him to the highest place at the right hand of the Father. That is the tomb behind me. Today is just a shrine. It's a memory, but it's empty because Jesus is not there. This really is the authentic location. It was first recognized as early as 326. In fact, that's when the first church was built on this site. Even believers long before that were coming here to venerate the fact this was the place where Jesus was buried and where Jesus was raised from the dead. Resurrection is really a foundation of our faith. If there had been a cross but no resurrection, then our faith would be futile. Because of the resurrection, we have life and we have a future. Jesus is alive. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. In the introduction to today's program, I was in the church of the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem, the very place where Jesus was buried and where he was raised from the dead. And in today's program, we're going to be looking at the first witnesses of the resurrection. Don't miss one second of this program. But before we get into the teaching, I want to encourage you. This Sunday is Easter, and this is your opportunity to take somebody to church. Maybe someone who has drifted away from the Lord, who needs to make a recommitment, or maybe someone who's never been saved. They need to give their lives to Jesus Christ. It's just a fact that every year we have two wonderful opportunities. One is Christmas, the other is Easter. On those two holidays, people tend to go to church, even people that are not walking with God. And rather than let this opportunity pass, begin to pray about who you can take with you to church this Sunday, who needs to either recommit their life to Christ or give their life to Christ. And if you need somebody to pray with you for boldness and courage to invite somebody, call us. We'll pray with you. By the way, we're praying for you anyway. We're praying right now that you'll be bold, that you'll be courageous. We're praying that churches will be filled with people that need to recommit their lives and people who need to come under the Lordship of Jesus. And we're praying for you to be bold, to pick somebody up and take them with you to church this Sunday. This could be a life-transforming moment in their life, and you will never regret that you did it. Also, if you need prayer for anything, we're here for you. We're people of prayer. We believe in prayer, and we would love to pray with you for any need you're facing in your life. Now, before we get into the teaching, I want to remind you that I'm offering you my series called Unknown Facts About the Death, Burial, and Resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we're just about finished offering this. If you haven't ordered it, you need to do it quick. This is a marvelous series based on these programs. It comes with a study guide with all the Greek words and the definitions, the points, the principles, a lot of information about Roman law and Jewish customs, everything you need to understand connected to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And the reason I taught this is because I had a personal quest to know more about the death, burial, and resurrection myself. I wanted to know more. And what I have in this series were unknown facts to me. And that's why I call it unknown facts 
about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I really believe with all my heart this series will take you somewhere new in your understanding of these events. And it would be great for your personal study or if you're discipling somebody, and I really hope that you are, you need to be investing in somebody else. This would be a great way to do that. Or if you have a Bible study group that really wants to go deeper in the Word, this would be a great course to use for a Bible study. We're also offering you my book called Paid in Full, an in-depth look at the divining moments of Christ's passion. I just love this book. I wish every Christian had a copy of this book because this book is filled with information, details, amazing revelation about all the events that happened all the way from the Garden of Gethsemane to Golgotha and beyond. It will just take you somewhere brand new. The back of the book says, Paid in Full is a riveting account, and believe me, it really is riveting. It is a riveting account of Jesus' final hours. And today, we're going to look at the events around the resurrection, and particularly, who were the first witnesses of the resurrection? And today, we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 28, verse 1, where we read, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. Now, you're going to find today that there were a series of witnesses. The first witnesses to the resurrection were the angels that were present. The second witnesses to the resurrection were the Roman soldiers who were stationed there to guard the tomb to make sure no one disturbed the contents inside the tomb. The next witnesses to the resurrection were the women who came to the tomb, and that's now what we read about in Matthew 28, verse 1. Let's read it again. And in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn on the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And when you read Luke's gospel, Luke adds in Luke chapter 24, verse 10, that Joanna and other women also came to the tomb. So there was a whole company of women that came to the tomb that morning. Why did they come? Because according to Jewish custom, they were going to request that the stone be removed. They enter the tomb and they anoint Jesus' body with spices and ointments. This was a, this was a Jewish custom it was a tradition. And now, according to tradition, they were coming to do that. They did not know that the tomb had been legally sealed by Pilate's authorities. They didn't know that. How could they know that? They weren't there. They were at home. They were preparing spices, ointments to bring, to anoint Jesus' dead body. They were doing what they were supposed to do according to Jewish custom, Jewish culture. They were totally unaware that the religious leaders had gone to Pilate and had said to Pilate, we're concerned that this man is going to be stolen by his disciples. His dead body is going to be taken out of the tomb. His disciples are then going to claim that he's been raised from the dead. And to keep this from happening, please help us. And these religious leaders had requested that the tomb be legally sealed. And it was legally sealed with Pilate's seal. No one would dare mess with the seal once it had been sealed by Pilate. Not only that, they said, we're still concerned. Even after you've agreed to seal it, please give us soldiers. So the Bible says Pilate gave them a watch of soldiers. These were four soldiers who were stationed there at the tomb. They rotated. They were changed every few hours so that the soldiers that were stationed there were always awake. They were alert. They really knew what they were doing. They were well able to guard the tomb. All of this took place without these women knowing about it. So when they came to the tomb the next morning, 
They didn't know any of this had happened. They didn't know the soldiers were there. They didn't know that it had been officially sealed by Pilate's authorities. And as they came to the tomb, they were just coming to do their business. They were coming to anoint Jesus' dead body and were actually wondering who is going to remove the stone for us. And we read about this in Mark chapter 16, verses 2 to 4. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun, and they said among themselves, Who shall roll away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. Notice it says it was very great. It was so enormous, they were shocked to see somebody had already removed the stone. In fact, in Matthew 28, verse 2, it tells us how the stone was removed. It says, And behold, there was a great earthquake. I'm going to give you what these Greek words mean. The word behold is a Greek word idu, a very interesting word in the Greek language, almost impossible to translate. It really conveys so much emotion, so much memory. This word behold really means behold, or it might be better translated, and wow. It carries the idea of shock, amazement, someone that is totally bewildered. And here we find Matthew is interjecting into the story how everyone felt at that moment. When they saw that this great stone had been removed, for them it was a wow moment. How did this happen? They were stunned. They were amazed. They were shocked. They were completely bewildered. And how was it removed? Well, the Bible tells us, Matthew 28, verse 2, and behold, there was a great earthquake. The word great is the word megas. The word megas describes something huge, massive, or enormous. The word earthquake is from the Greek word seismos, which is the literal word for an earthquake. So this was not just a small event. It was an enormous, great, massive earthquake that took place the morning of the resurrection. And Mark 16, verse 4 says, The stone was rolled away, for it was very great. That word very in Greek is also important. This word very describes something that is exceedingly great, something that is extremely great, and the word great again is the word mega, which describes something massive, something huge, something enormous. The stone was simply enormous, exceedingly large. But a great earthquake took place, and behold, wow, can you imagine it? They were totally left bewildered by what had taken place because during the earthquake, the stone, this massive stone, had been rolled out and removed from the entrance to the tomb. This was no normal stone. It tells us how concerned the authorities were about Jesus. They didn't just put a stone in front of the entrance. They put a huge stone in front of the entrance. They did not want Jesus coming out of the grave once the grave had been officially sealed. But Matthew 28, verse 2 tells us, The angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. I just want to make a little comment about this phrase that the angel of the Lord sat upon it. That word sat is a Greek word kathemi, which means to sit down. Now, why in the world would I stop and teach on this? Because it tells us something about angels. The angel sitting on top of such a huge stone, it may denote the size of the angel. It may denote the size of the angel. The angel was so huge, he could sit on top of the enormous stone as if it were a chair. But in this case, 
the removal of the stone would have been a very simple feat because the angel was so large, so powerful, so strong, and the angel removed the stone at the time of the resurrection. So there was an earthquake, an angel is involved removing the stone from in front of the door. And Matthew 28 verse 3 says that the countenance of the angel was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. The word countenance is a Greek word which describes his external appearance or what you would see with your eyes. The word lightning describes something that is dazzling, something that shines or flashes like lightning. So the appearance, the external appearance of the angel was simply dazzling. That would be a wonderful translation. In fact, Matthew goes on to say in his raiment, was as white as snow. The word raiment is a Greek word which describes his outer garment, his clothing. The word white, the Greek word lukas, describes something light, bright, brilliant, or dazzlingly brilliant. Dazzlingly brilliant. The word snow is the very Greek word for snow, but in this case, it describes a blinding white color, white like the sunshine you would see on snow. Have you ever looked in snow in the middle of the day when the sun is shining on the snow and the sun is so brilliant it's nearly blinding? That is exactly the word that is used here. So the Bible tells us, first of all, his external appearance was dazzling. Then it tells us that his outer garment was brilliant. It was dazzlingly brilliant. It was like a blinding white, like a sunshine on the snow. That's exactly what it means. They could hardly look at this angel. This angel was so dazzling and so brilliant. And the Bible tells us in Matthew 28, verse 4, what happened to the guards who were stationed there when all of this took place. They were there. It was their job to guard the tomb. What happened to them? The Bible tells us, Matthew 28, verse 4. And for fear of him, that is for fear of the angels, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. First of all, it says, for fear of him. That word fear is the word phobos, which really describes panic. They were panicked. This describes a panic-stricken fear. And the Bible says, for fear of him, the keepers did shake, from the word seo, which means to shake, to tremble, to quiver, or to shake with fear. And the Bible says they became as dead men. The word dead men is taken from the Greek word nekros, which describes a literal corpse. They fell like dead men. The soldiers were paralyzed at the appearance of the angel. They fell to the ground, trembling, paralyzed, under the power of God, unable to move. But when they finally were able to move again, they didn't hang around. The Bible tells us they fled. They were terrified, and they fled from the scene. These big, strong, well-trained soldiers, hmm, they had faced enemies of every kind, every imaginable situation, but they had never seen anything like this, and they were so terrified by these events that when they were finally able to get up again, they fled. That's what the Bible tells us. So when the women arrived at the garden that morning, there were no guards around. There was actually no one there to help them remove the stone, but the stone had already been removed because of the earthquake and because of the angel. And Matthew 28, verses 5 and 6, the Bible says, And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here. For he is risen, as he said, come see the place 
where the Lord lay. Wow, there's so much in this verse. First of all, the angel said he is risen. From the Greek word egairu, which means to rouse from death. Jesus had been roused from death itself. And the angel said, come, see the place where the Lord lay or where he had been laid. The word see is a translation of the Greek word harao, which means to see, to behold, to perceive, to delightfully see, to take a scrutinizing look, to look with the intent to examine, to fully view, to experience, to know something from personal observation, not from secondhand information. So when the angel said, come and see, the angel was literally saying, hey, we want you to see this with your own eyes. Come on in. Look at this. Observe this. Take a scrutinizing look. Examine the scene. We don't want this just to be secondhand information. We want you to see this with your own eyes. Come see yourself, the place where the Lord had previously lay. And of course, now Jesus was gone because he was no longer dead. He had been raised from the dead. And the Bible tells us in Luke 24, verse 3, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. Then Mark 16, 5 tells us what happened next. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment. And the King James Version says, and they were affrighted. Wow, what does all this mean? Well, first of all, the Bible says they saw a young man. This is the way that Mark describes the angel. And he depicts the angel as a young, strong man. This word young really describes a young man filled with vigor and energy, a young man who's in the prime of his life. This illustrates the vitality, strength, and ever youthful appearance of angels. Angels look like young men, strong, robust young men. And the Bible says that the angel was clothed from the Greek word peribalo. The word peribalo describes a garment wrapped around his shoulders like a mighty warrior who's dressed in a garment. And the Bible says the garment was white, again from the Greek word lukos. It means dazzlingly beautiful, brilliant. The word garment is the word stole. And the word stole describes a long flowing robe normally worn by royalty, commanders, soldiers, kings, priests, and other elite individuals or those of high distinction. So this angel looked like a warrior. Dazzling, beautiful white clothes, a garment normally worn by a warrior. He looked like a robust young individual, a young man, but in fact, it was an angel. This tells us a lot about angels. So we've already seen today that angels are enormous and they have an ever youthful appearance and they're dressed like warriors. Then the Bible tells us in Mark 16, verse 5, and entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. What in the world does that mean? Well, the Greek word affrighted, the word in King James is very strange. The Greek word actually means they were astonished. A modern translation would be they were blown away, or it was a mind-boggling experience. This defied their senses. It defied their intellect. It was a mind-boggling experience. They were literally blown away by what they were experiencing. And that is why Luke 24, verse 4 says, they were much perplexed, perplexed. 
In fact, that word perplexed, the Greek word apareo, which means to lose one's way. This is really interesting. To lose one's way, it depicts someone so confused he can't figure out where he is, what he's doing, or what is happening around him. A person completely bewildered by events, or again, as I said at the beginning, to lose one's way. Mentally, they have lost their way. We've already seen that they are astonished. They're blown away. This is a mind-boggling experience. Their mind is so boggled by everything they're seeing and experiencing. The stone has been removed. A massive angel sitting on top of the stone as if it were a chair. They enter into the tomb, and in the tomb they see a robust young man, another angel dressed like a mighty warrior, who says, come and look, really look. Look and see the place where the Lord previously lay. They see Jesus is not there. They didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And when you put all of this together, they were stunned. They were bewildered. They were blown away by these events. And the Bible says they were perplexed. They kind of lost their way in the middle of all of it. So they came to the tomb that morning expecting to see a huge stone, and the stone was removed. They encountered a massive dazzling angel sitting on top of the stone. Then they entered into the tomb where a second angel appeared and they found no dead body. It was normal for their heads to be spinning out of control. Their minds were simply whirling by all of these events. Just put yourself in their shoes and I think your mind would have been whirling too. Then Luke 24 verse 4 adds something else. It says, suddenly two men stood by them in shining garments. The word stood by is the Greek word ephistomy, which means to come upon suddenly, to take by surprise, to burst upon the scene, or to suddenly appear. So now more angels show up. Wow. Event after event. This is so stunning to these who had come to the tomb that morning. And in Luke 24, verses 5 through 8, the Bible says, and as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the ground, the angels said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was with, yet you, was with you in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. And then they remembered Jesus' words. But twice in these verses... The angel says something very interesting. First of all, the angel says he's not here, he is risen. That word risen, again, the Greek word egairo, which means to rouse from death. Secondly, the angel said the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Rise again is the Greek word anastani, which means to stand again. This is stand again power. Jesus has been raised from the dead. That is explicitly what this means. And then the angel told them in Mark 16, verse 7, Go your way and tell his disciples. Mark 16, verse 8. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher. Matthew 28, verse 8. And they did run to bring his disciples' word. Matthew 24, verses 9 through 10 tells us. And they told these things unto the apostles, and then Luke adds, in Luke 24, verse 11, and their words seemed to them as idle tales. Idle tales is the Greek word leros. The word leros means nonsense, babble, or delirium. When the women showed up to tell the apostles what had happened, the women were so confused, so excited, they were nearly delirious, 
and they seemed as though who told idle tales or it just seemed like nonsense or babble. They weren't communicating very effectively because they were just so excited they didn't know how to put it all into words. They'd kind of mentally lost their way. They were baffled by what they had experienced. But even though they did poorly at communicating all these events, it stirred enough interest that Peter and John said, we're going to the tomb to see what happened. And I want to tell you, sometimes when you try to tell somebody about Jesus, you may not feel you've done a good job at communication. Don't worry about that. Just do your best to communicate. The Holy Spirit will do the rest of the job. Just like Peter and John said, hey, we don't know what these women are trying to say, but we're going to go check it out ourselves." If you'll do your best to communicate the good news of Jesus to somebody else, the Holy Spirit will take it from there. He'll spark interest in their hearts. It will be enough to get them moving toward Jesus. Well, we're out of time, but I'll be back in just a moment, and I'm going to pray for you. From the courtyard of Pilate to the hill of Calvary, every step Jesus took on that Good Friday, he had you in mind. The Bible says Jesus died so our debt could be paid in full. In his book, Paid in Full, Rick Renner guides you through the details of Jesus' final hours on earth. In every page, you will gain a unique glimpse into the human and divine significance of each encounter and conversation along Christ's journey from Gethsemane to Golgotha. In Paid in Full, you'll discover that this striking narrative of love and redemption is much more than the story taught in Sunday school. This powerful book can be yours for just $15. When you call or go online today, you can also get unknown facts about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In this 25-part teaching series, Rick provides information you've probably never heard about the world's most famous story, along with new insights into the heart, emotions, and humanity of Jesus' final days on earth. Available in digital or physical formats, starting at just $40, you can discover the power of the cross and the plan to forgive mankind of sin like never before. Don't miss this special offer, paid in full, and unknown facts about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Call now or go to renner.org. In Luke chapter 24, verses 5 to 8, the Bible tells us, And as they were afraid, it's talking about the women that were in the tomb, the day of the resurrection, they bowed their faces down to the earth, and the angel said unto them, listen to these words, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Jesus was really raised from the dead. They came into the tomb. The angels had said to them, look around. We want you to see this yourself. They came in. They looked around. This was no secondhand information. They saw it with their own eyes. And the Bible says they were totally bewildered. Their mind was blown by what they were experiencing. The stone had been removed. An angel was sitting on top of the stone. And another angel was in the tomb. Jesus' body was not there. And suddenly more angels appeared. This was simply a mind-boggling experience but all of this really happened. Jesus really was raised from the dead. It's the cornerstone of our faith. I want to remind you that I'm offering you my series, Unknown Facts, about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and my book, Paid in Full, an in-depth look at the defining moments of Christ's passion. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for the resurrection of Jesus, that this is no fairy tale. This is the cornerstone of our faith. And we pray for the same power of the resurrection to work in me and to work in every friend listening to me today. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being with me. And remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, it says where the word of a king is, there's power. Let that word work in you today because it will release power in your life. And I'll see you in the next program. Thank you for joining Rick Renner today. For more information about Rick Renner Ministries and product resources, visit renner.org and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.